that you are the monarch of the universe we thank you that you rule and reign in the affairs of our lives we thank you for your goodness we thank you for your mercies we thank you for your kindness we thank you for your love towards us we thank you for the escape route in Christ Jesus we thank you for the holy spirit we thank you for ministering angels we thank you for your word and the blood that speak better things concerning our lives we thank you that you are crowning our year with goodness we pray and we Christ and Lord be exalted in our discussion tonight in the name of our Lord Jesus amen we thank God for the gift of life and we really really do not take this opportunity for granted every day i was just telling my cousin today on my way to church that gradually gradually the people in the area the population is declining especially of course those who are elderly as a lady about 2 or 3 will have died on my stretch and i was just telling him that Charlie It seems like there's a generational takeover, and it just keeps reminding us that we don't have forever to live for God. We don't have forever to take the right choices. We don't have forever to implement the choices we have taken. And as long as God has qualified us to see another 24 hours, we are going to work the works of Him who has qualified us while we are in the day season of our life, because we know that the night season of our life will come where we will not be able to work. So tonight we are looking at the finale of our teaching or our discussion on for our learning or for your learning from Romans 5 verse 4 where the apostle Paul was telling us that the reason or one of the reasons why God allowed people to document their experiences especially in the old covenant or in the old testament it was that they were written for our learning so that we through the patience and the comfort that the scriptures bring we might have hope so for the past 6 weeks we have been looking at people that God wants us to learn from the mistakes that they made and I always say that it's not only about learning the success or what made people succeed but also about learning what made people fail so that we will not repeat the same mistakes so technically last week was our last episode and we looked at the one and only Mr. Lucifer now known as Lucifer the devil and Satan but as I was just preparing for our new series I just believe that God wants us to learn something about why this topic we are learning is very important. And we start off from Acts chapter 10 verse 34. Acts chapter 10 the verse 34. Peter makes an interesting statement. Now, this is when Peter is in the house of Cornelius. And you know that in the preceding chapter Peter was on the rooftop waiting for food and he was seriously hungry and he prayed and whilst he prayed he fell asleep and he saw a vision of footed animals four footed animals descending from the heavens and the voice said that Peter arise and kill and Peter was like no anything that God has called unclean I'm, I'm not allowed to eat it happened three times then when he woke up from the vision men had come from Cornelius Cornelius house and at the end of the vision the holy spirit told him that men have come to look for you and when they come follow them So to cut a long story short he went to the house of Cornelius and he preached the gospel and whilst he was preaching the holy ghost fell upon them and he read that no if the holy ghost fell upon these people it means that God is approving the message to the gentiles and you should understand that Peter was somebody who was born a Jew and he understood the gap that existed between the Jews and the gentiles he understood the fact that they were not supposed to mingle 
So he knew that the Gentiles were called unclean and throughout his life he was brought up with this strict doctrine. So seeing this vision and seeing the occurrence of what happened, it really shook the foundations of Peter. And for us now, we may take this thing, we may not appreciate how serious of a mental blockade this was to them at their time. But it was something very serious. There was no relation between the Jews and the Gentiles. Even Jesus, when the Syrophoenician woman came, he called the woman literally a dog. So that's how the Jews used to view the Gentiles. So when the Holy Spirit fell upon them, Peter was really surprised. So in the course of his sermon, he gave this word in the verse 34. After God explained the vision, or after God told him at the end of the vision that go and see the people. Look at the statement that Peter made. He said that, then Peter opened his mouth and he said, of truth I perceive, of truth I perceive that God is not a respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted before him. I take it again, the verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of truth I perceive that God is not a respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted before him. So this was when after Cornelius had told Peter that he was praying and an angel came to visit him. Then Peter said, I perceive. And if you see the way Peter said, I perceive that, he's not, he doesn't want to say that God told me, but he's sensing in the spirit that the vision I just had and what Cornelius just told me, God is sending him a message that God is not a respecter of persons. And that anywhere you find yourself, as long as you acknowledge the Lordship and you work righteousness, you are accepted before God. So Peter is saying that he perceives something about God. He's telling us a character about God, which I found very intriguing, especially in our study. And this is the personality of God, that God is not a respecter of persons. What is he a respecter of? God doesn't care if you are a Jew or a Gentile. You have no leverage. God doesn't care if you are black or white. God doesn't care the tribe you are coming from, the home you were born into, the color of your skin. All he cares is something. And what is that thing? That God is a respecter of principle. So as long as you obey the principles of life and his kingdom, you are accepted before him. So if the principle of that is that he that calls upon the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. And the question is whoever. So whether you are a barbarian, whether you are an American, whether you are a Canadian, whether you are an Australian, as long as you acknowledge this principle and you work in respect to this principle, God would accept you. And the same thing as the laws of nature. The laws of gravity works irrespective of where you are on the earth. The laws of flotation, the law of momentum, whichever law is there. It is not a respecter of persons. Gravity will not say that because a, a black man is throwing the ball, it will not act on it. Gravity will not say that because an Asian is throwing the ball, it will not work on it. It is a principle. And God is letting us know through the mouth of Peter that God doesn't care who operates in these principles. As long as you operate in the principles of the kingdom, you are going to get results. And it is very important. So Peter is teaching us that as long as you fear God, regardless of where you are from, and you work righteousness, God is going to accept you. And it's a principle, or it's something that you must really believe about God, that God is a respecter of persons. That is why God will always use people we never think about. Because we are looking at people and we respect people. So a, a, a spiritual instructor preached a message I love so much. Some years ago, he titled it, The Four Women in Christmas. 
And if you look at the genealogy of Jesus, you will see four suspicious women that the Bible intentionally noted in the genealogy of Jesus. You will see a prostitute in the genealogy of Jesus. You will see somebody who was not a Jew, that is Ruth, in the genealogy of Jesus. You will see strange women with questionable characters. There are four of them, Tamar, who slept, who deceived their father-in-law and slept with the father-in-law for a baby. All these people there are in the genealogy of Jesus. So God doesn't care whether it's a prostitute or not. As long as Rahab received the spies, and by receiving the spies, she believed the word that God was coming to overthrow the nation Jericho. And as long as Rahab believed and acted out her belief by accepting the spies, she was saved. That's why the Bible said, And whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Whosoever, because God is a respecter of principles and not of persons. So tonight, what principle does God want us to respect? It's an important principle that God wants us to respect. And let's look at that principle in Mark chapter 4, the verse number 26. We are talking about for your learning, the last part. And let us see how this for your learning is very important, that we take these principles that we have learned in the past six weeks is very important. So Mark chapter 4, verse 26, Jesus is speaking here, and Jesus is saying, and he said, so the kingdom of God, as if a man, so Jesus is telling us how a principle that the kingdom of God operates on. So he said that the kingdom of God is likened to a man. So remember when we are doing what does God require from us, the parable of the talents. It also started with the fact that the kingdom of God is likened unto a man who was going on a long journey and called his servants. So that is one principle. And God does not reward you based on what he has given you, but based on what you do with what he has given you. And now I learned another principle. And he said that for the kingdom of God is as a man or is likened to a man who cast seeds into the ground and he goes to sleep and he wakes up night and day and the seed will spring up and grow. He does not know what goes on. For the earth will bring forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full-grown corn within the ear. But if the fruit is brought forth immediately, he put in the sickle because the harvest is come. The Bible is letting us know that the kingdom of God operates on the principle of a man who goes to sow seeds. And he does not care, he does not know how this little seed will germinate and grow. Whether the plumber will come, the radical will come, how the enzymes, the dribblings will be activated. It does not concern him. What concerns him is that when he sows the seed, he goes to sleep. And by the time he realizes, the seed begins to grow. And he said that it goes through three stages. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grown corn. So all he knew that when he placed the seed in the soil, there's a three-stage process that the seed will go through. And that's what will lead to a harvest. So what principle is God teaching us? The principle of sowing and harvesting. That is why for your learning is very important. Because the things we need to realize is that if you follow in the path of Vashti, if you follow in the path of Luciel, if you follow in the path of Gehazi, if you follow in the path of the people we have studied for the past six weeks, you are going to harvest a certain crop. And other every seed will bear after its kind. This is very important. So there is no way in this world that you sow a purple seed and you reap an orange fruit. This is something that we know, but this is something that we have not really engraved into every fiber of our being. That is why we keep taking life for granted. Because for many of us, we think harvest is the choice. But what we forget, that harvest is a result of the seeds you have sown. 
and this principle is an everlasting principle on the earth. So I know you know, but I want to convince you with a plethora of scriptures underlining this truth. Let's go to Genesis, of course. Let's start with Genesis chapter 1, verse 11 to 12. And I hope I know you know where I'm going to read, but I want to read it. God is speaking here. He's saying that, and God said, Let the earth bring forth grasses, the herb yielding fruit, a yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. I think it's again. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after its kind, after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. So the seed will always produce after its kind. So you can never harvest something that you have not sown. So whatever you are harvesting in your life, if you are harvesting the fruits of Gehazi, you sowed a Gehazi seed. If you are harvesting the fruits of Vasti, you sowed a prideful seed. So whatever you are harvesting in life is because of the seeds you sow. That is why my heart was, my heart bleated so much when I was on campus in the university because I saw many people who were taking their lives for granted at a critical stage. Because for many people, they thought that they were just enjoying life, making the most of their youthfulness, forgetting that they were sowing a seed that they are going to read. Let's go to Genesis. And I'm sure you know where I'm going to read. Genesis chapter 8 verse 20 and 22 and it's obviously after noah after the flood of noah god making a decree after the flood of noah so let's see what god says just a reminder of something that you i believe you are aware and it says that verse 21 and the lord smelt a sweet savor and the lord said in his heart remember last week we talked about the things you see in your heart so this one to the lord said in his heart i will not again curse the ground for more of man's sake for the imagination of his heart is wicked from his youth and i'll never smite him again anymore everything living thing that as i have done verse 22 while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest time the cold and the heat, the summer and the winter, the day and the night shall not cease. What is God saying? God is saying, actually, I'm not going to destroy man again because man is a seed. Adam's act was a seed that he sowed into the human nature. So everything that man will do is as a result of the seed of corruption that Adam sowed. So what God is saying, I'm not going to bother myself punishing human beings anymore. I'm not going to bother myself destroying human beings and all that I created anymore because of a principle that is set in motion. And what is the principle? That as long as this earth remains, whatever a man would sow, that's what he would reap. So God does not have to necessarily punish you anymore when you do something because the seed you sow is the fruit thereof that you reap. So God was simply saying that, you know what? I have set a principle in motion and that law is going to work regardless of the person. Because God is not a respecter of persons. It's like a parent saying to his child that I'm not going to lash you anymore. I've lashed you, sir. You are not <laughs> you are not learning. But then you are going to bear the consequence of your action. That's what God was telling us in the book of Genesis chapter 8. That I'm not going to punish you anymore, but you are going to enjoy the harvest of the seed that you sow. So remember the kingdom of God operates on the principle of a man sowing a seed, going to bear waking up the next not the next morning per se but waking up and getting a harvest of what he has sold and the harvest as i said takes place in three stages and you look at this 
practically in somebody's life. So this is the same thing Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 verse 38, which we always quote in reference to money. But Jesus was not saying it necessarily in reference to money. In fact, if you look at the context, Jesus was talking about it in reference to love. He says that give and it shall be given unto you. If you give love, you will receive love. If you give joy, you will receive joy. So Jesus was saying that when you give, it will be given back unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give unto your bosom. So the things you receive from men are the things you give to men. So if people are always being disloyal to you, if people are always lying to you, if people are always portraying certain things to you, sometimes take a relax. Relax. Take an inventory of your life. Look at the seeds you have sown. It's not always the case in that sense because some people will sow evil seeds even though you have not necessarily, or some people will give you evil deeds even though you have not necessarily sown evil seeds. But you must take an inventory of your life to be sure that you are not reaping the harvest of an evil soul, of an evil seed you sowed. Let's read Galatians 6. And I'm sure we all know this thing, but I just want us to read it again, just to remind us of the seriousness and the gravity of this principle, which we know over and over again, but then we still learn it tonight. And it says that, do not be deceived. Don't get it twisted. Don't think you can outsmart the principles of life. Don't think that there is a way around this thing. There is no way around this thing. You cannot deceive God. So going back to Genesis, God was saying, actually, you know what? If I'm going to be punishing people and destroying the earth and man with water like I did the days of Noah, maybe <laughs> some people may escape the punishment because you know that some people, because of their association with Noah, even though they necessarily did not hear the word from God about the floods, because they were married to Noah's children, they were saved. But God is saying, do not be deceived. That's not going to happen anymore. That whatever seed you sow. So it's like God has set the world on autopilot. So he's just watching things play out. He's just watching us sow seeds of pain. Honey, we are going to reap the harvest of pain. And remember, you sow two or three seeds, right? But you harvest almost a basket full, depending on the plant. So let's say it is tomato. You put about four or five seeds on the ground. But you can harvest about, let's say, 30 fruits from one seed you have sown. And this is what makes the severity of this principle something that we should not take like it. So one act that you sow or one act that you commit can lead into a harvest. And you will see this thing happen practically, practically in somebody's life. How the person first harvested the blade, the ear, and the corn, a harvest full of this. And that is why God linked me with this topic or this teaching or this discussion with For Your Learning. Because the things we learned in For Your Learning, it is very important that we flee away from these things. It is very important that we do not commit the same mistakes these people committed. Because God is saying that the reason why he allowed them to document the story of Gehazi is for us to learn that there is a time to receive money. And the time not to receive money. The reason why God allowed the story of Vasti to be documented is for us to know that Charlie, you must remember whose house you are under. And if you are in the king's palace, when he calls for you, you can't be organizing women's meeting. Now, who else can we study practically? You see, I want us to look at how this thing outplays in life. So now we see the practicality of this principle. And this story is very important because it's about a man who tried everything to overcome the evil seeds he has sown. But some way, somehow, he still reaped a harvest of his seed. He committed one act, one, but you look at the effects 
they have there's nobody else please give me drum roll <laughs> than the one and only the second born of Isaac Mr Jacob the supplanter the deceiver we are going to look at the seed this guy sowed i think we already know the seed he sowed the seed of deception he deceived his father for his brother's blessing and you see the interesting thing was this it was the mother rebecca who told him that actually you know i like your mother so please i have prepared soup your brother is going to prepare the soup but you go and the guy was like actually but you know my brother is heavier than me so, so oh don't worry cover your skin with fur or the hair of an animal and go and put on Esau's clothes and i like what the woman said when jacob was scared that actually this thing i'll do i'll bring a case he said let the case be on my head madam rebecca but let us see if the case really went on rebecca's head now we're going to take a journey in the life of mr jacob and we're going to look at the interplay between the harvest of the seeds he made and the blessings that he received from isaac and you know when iso came and iso was like ah father is there only one blessing i like what isaac said he said actually i have blessed jacob and surely he will be blessed i have sustained him with corn and wine and the fatness of the land so there is no other blessing and, said, and jacob will rule over you i cannot do anything about this i have spoken this way and one day we do the importance of the utterances of our parents over our life but that's for nothing now let's start this journey from so just you can just get your your bible i'm sure you'll be using your phone we are staying in Genesis. In fact, we'll be looking at two people if time will permit us. One in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. So let's start with, so we know the backstory. Now let's go to, let's see how Jacob started harvesting the city at sown. Genesis 29, verse 21. So now Jacob has worked for the woman he wanted to marry, Rahel. And after he worked for seven years, he went to Laban actually. My time is up. Give me my wife so that I may live with her. I like Jacob. He's plain. There's a version that says, give me my wife so that I can make love to her. I like that guy. He's plain. But nowadays, spiritual brothers don't want to get married early because of her. That's another sermon for another day. But Papa Jacob, he said, Charlie, I am barely. I have been able to long suffer because love suffers long. But there's a limit to the suffering long. It is a love suffers eternally. My suffers long. It's a day is long enough. So, verse 21, Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife. Hey, see the way he's calling me, my wife. He said, my time is completed and I want to make love to her. Verse 22, so Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when the evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob and Jacob made love to her. Verse 25, when the morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I have served you for Rahel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? <laughs> the deceiver is coming to enjoy his fruits of his deception. And I like Laban. Laban was strategic. He should have organized or he intentionally organized the party. And you know, in their party, they get drunk. And you could imagine how hyper Jacob was. Because for seven years, he had been admiring Rahel from a distance. He said, ah, on that faithful day, on that evening, Kabaya. He drank his wine. He was merry. That's why he could not even notice the difference between Rahel and Leah. Just for him to wake up and he has been deceived. So Jacob is harvesting what? The blades of the seed. Let's see. So this is the first fruit that Jacob has harvested. Let's go to chapter 30, verse 27. Jacob is speaking here. Now, look at something very interesting. This was a man who was reaping the fruit of his deception. But look at an interesting twist. 
in the verse 27, but Laban said to Jacob, if I found favor in your eyes, please stay. That's Jacob wanted to leave. I have learned by divination that God has blessed me because of you. So Jacob was a blessed man, no doubt about it. And Laban knew by sorcery. You see, Laban was an idol worshiper. So he knew by sorcery. That's what the Bible says, the NIV says, by divination. that the only reason why he was blessed, it was because Jacob, he was connected to Jacob. So Jacob was a blessed man. He had the blessings of Abraham, the blessings of Isaac. But still, he was reaping the harvest of his deception. And that's what we need to appreciate. In as much as you can be blessed, the principle of seed time and harvest still applies because God is not a respecter of persons. Let's go to chapter 42, or let's go to the, the, the same chapter, chapter 30, verse 42. So, you know, this was happening that um, Jacob made a deal with Laban that, okay, you know what, let us do a deal. Um, I want to start working to be my own man. So we would separate our flocks or you separate your flock. Everyone that does not have spots will go to Laban, and the one that has spots will come to me. And you know, Jacob applied some selective breeding over here, and he outsmarted Laban. And at the end of the day, Laban had all the weak animals, and Jacob had all the healthy animals. So he said the deceiver is still deceiving people. But now let's go to chapter 31, verse 6. Let's see another harvest of Jacob. You know that I have worked for your father with all my strength. Yet, so Jacob was complaining to his two wives. He said, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages 10 times. So imagine working in a company, you are due promotion, and you go to HR, HR Charlie, I have met the parameters of the appraiser. I'm supposed to be promoted to be a supervisor. And they say, you know what? We are going to have a board meeting, blah, blah, blah. They go for the board meeting. They come back and they say, you know, and it's true. But there was an injunction on the company, blah, blah, blah. Said, okay, so just give us another year. The next day, go. And Jacob kept getting story for 10 times. And look at what he added in the next verse. However, God has not allowed him to harm him. So even though God was protecting Jacob, he was still reaping the harvest of his deception. Please believe this truth about God's word. Do not be deceived. You would reap every seed you sow. You would reap every seed you sow. Look at the verse 23. Taking his relatives with him, thus he pursued Jacob for seven days and caught up with him in the hill country of Gilgal. Then God came to Laban and warned him in a dream not to say anything to Jacob, neither good nor bad. So you remember that God was actively involved in Jacob's life in ensuring that the blessings of Abraham and Isaac was fully manifesting in Jacob's life. That God was appearing in dreams to warn people that do not comment about Jacob. But regardless of all these things, Jacob was still harvesting the fruits of his deception. As though the story was over. 32 verse 26. Now, we know Jacob was going to see Esau. And the night before, he took his family and they crossed the, the Jordan and he stayed alone. Now, Jacob knew that the reason why I'm suffering under labor was because something is not, wrong, is not right. So when the man came to wrestle with him, all that Jacob asked was that, bless me. If you don't bless me, I will not let you go. Because Jacob knew that the only way to overturn a curse over his life was by, being, by neutralizing it with a blessing. So he fought with this being just for the blessings to come upon him. But let's look at verse 32. Now let's go to chapter 34, verse 30. Now Jacob is with his family and they are enjoying in their father's land, Abraham's land. But then their daughter, his daughter Diana got raped. And when they raped their daughter, the woman came 
the whole ring of daughter came to see Jacob that we know we have not done well. So we want to do the right thing. We want to marry Diana. Now, in the presence of Jacob, look at what happened. Verse 27. Um, okay, let's go to, let's see what happened before. So let's say from verse 21. These men are friendly to us as they said, let them live in our land and train in the land and they marry us because they can marry us. But the men will agree, the men will agree to live with us as one people on the condition that the males be circumcised as they themselves are. So the sons of Jacob are telling the men that we know Bo, even though you have slept with our sister and you have treated her like a prostitute, just circumcise and we would accept you as our own. And Jacob agreed with what his sons had said. But look at what they did. When the people circumcised, and circumcision is a very painful process act because they didn't even when they were young. They were circumcised an old man, an elderly man. It's very painful. And of course, there was no anesthesia. There was no blade or knife or scissors. They used sharp stones. It's a very painful process. So when they did it, the Bible said, and they were weak after three days. And the sons of Jacob went to raid the town and killed everybody the mills and took their possession. So look at it, verse 7. The sons of Jacob came upon the dead bodies and looted the city where their sister had been defiled. They seized their flocks and their heads and donkeys and everything else of theirs in the city and out of the field. They carried all their wealth and all their women and their children, taking as plunder everything in the houses. Devastating. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought me trouble by making me obnoxious to the Canaanites and the Perizzites, the people living in this land. We are few in number, and they have joined forces and attacked me, and I and my household will be destroyed. Jacob was reaping the harvest of what he had sown. So his own son deceived him and told him that he would accept the offer that these people are coming. They should just circumcise themselves. And because of this, according to history books, Jacob had to be fighting battles his entire life. Because you are living in the land with about three tribes, and you have already lied to one tribe. So now they do not believe your word anymore. So constantly, the Canaanites and the Parisians were always fighting with the Israelites because of Simeon and Levi, what they did. And what they did was Jacob harvested a fruit of his deception to what he did to his brother. The story is not over yet. This same guy was lied to by yet again his own sons and they told him that his favorite son is dead when in reality Joseph was not dead. So this guy mourned for a son that was never dead. Remember one, he married a woman that he was not his wife and now he's mourning for a son that is really not dead. So let's go to Genesis 37, verse 34. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. His own sons deceived him. So he married a woman that he was not his wife, and he buried a son that was not there. He was harvesting the fruits of one deception that he made. He married a false woman. His salary was changed 10 times. His son deceived him and went to kill people. They said they won't kill. The same sons killed their own brother and lied to him. So what is Jacob doing? Remember Mark 4? The blade will come first, then the ear will come, then the full corn will come. Jacob throughout his life was being deceived, even though he was a blessed man. Do not be deceived, for you would reap everything you would sow.
there's a last deception that many of us do not know and the story is not really in the bible but jacob when he was blessing his sons he gave us a hint into that deception in genesis chapter 49 you know when jacob was about to die he called forth all his sons and he was blessing them now listen to what he said to his firstborn son Reuben in verse 3 Reuben, you are my firstborn my might the first sign of my strength, excelling in honor, excelling in power, turbulent as the waters, you will no longer excel. Why? For you went up onto your father's bed and onto my couch and you defiled it. So the Bible did not record this story, but from what Jacob is saying, it meant that Reuben slept with his father's wife. That is Jacob. One act of deception. Look at the seeds, look at the harvest that Jacob is harvesting. He only deceived his brother for his blessings, but they gave him the wrong wife. That was the first thing. His salary was changed 10 times. That was the second thing. He mourned for a son that was not there. That was the third thing. They destroyed people that the sons came, they will not destroy. That was the fourth one. The fifth one, his firstborn son went to sleep with his own wife. The harvest of the seed Jacob had sown. And though he was a blessed man, though God was protecting him, God was appearing to his enemies in dreams, he fought with God or an angel, ideally an angel or correctly an angel, and he prevailed. And his name was changed from Jacob, from supplanter, to Israel, that thou hast fought with God and thou hast prevailed. Yet still, he was harvested the seeds he had sown. This is very scary, but it's the reality. And many people will be quick to say this is Old Testament. Let's quickly go to the New Testament and see one man who also harvested from the seeds he sowed. And this is no other than the man himself, the Apostle of Apostles, <laughs> the senior apostle, Mr. Saul of Tarsus, now called Paul. So let's start with the seeds this man sowed in Acts chapter 7, verse 55. The first seed he sowed, let's go. But he being full of the Holy Spirit, talking about Stephen, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. They cried out with a loud voice and they stopped their ears and they ran unto him in one accord. They cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man whose name was Saul. So Saul was behind the killing of Stephen. Let's go to Acts chapter 9, the one we know. And Saul, yet breathing out threats and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went up unto the high priest. So look at what Saul was doing. He was breathing threats and slaughtering disciples. And he desired of letters to be given to him to Damascus. So that he may, if he finds anybody of the way, he might bring them bound, that is in chains, unto Jerusalem. So this was a man who was fighting against the people of the way, talking about the Christians. He was involved in the murder of several Christians in the torture. It is believed that they used to go into houses and they used to drag women and children out of their homes because they were affiliated to Christ. And all of a sudden, this man gives his life to Christ. Now let's look at something very interesting. In the verse number 11, you know, he has had his encounter with the Lord. And now God went to see Ananias and God told Ananias actually, go and pray for Paul 
or saw because I'm going to use it. Now look at what happened. Verse 10. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias and he said to him, Lord, in the vision, Ananias, he said, Behold, I am here. Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Street and inquire of the house of Judas, one man called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayed. And he has seen in the vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he may receive his sight. Now look at what Ananias is saying. Then Ananias answered and said, Lord, I have heard many of this man, how much evil he had done to the saints. And I'm hearing that he even came here with authority from the chief priest to bind all that call upon the name of the Lord. Now, God has told his prophet, actually, I've chosen Saul to go and anoint him so that I can receive the sign. And Ananias is reminding God that, ah, God, relax. Do you the man you are telling me to go and anoint? But look at God's response. And I find it very interesting. Look at verse 15. God is saying, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen name to bear my name before Gentiles and kings and to the children of Israel. I thought that God should have stopped by him. Look at the verse 16. For I will show him. Hey. <laughs> it's like, just imagine God being a Nigerian right now, telling Ananias, I will show him Pepe. He said, I will show him how great things he must suffer. For my name's sake, Paul was about to reap a harvest of the seeds he was sowing. For all the trouble he had caused the church. And this is sometimes because the Bible gives us just bits and pieces. We don't appreciate the, the terror that Saul was to the church. Saul was a terrorist. When you hear that Saul is after you, just know that Charlie, your life is gone. Because this was a man full of zeal. He was always willing to go the extra mile. And all of a sudden, this man gets born again. And he thinks that all is lost. And like God, this man was not a prophet or anybody who was saying it was God himself. He said, Ananias, make no worry, you make no worry. Because as long as the earth remains, see time and harvest. He said, I will show him. Uh, I will show him how much great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And let's just briefly look at the things Paul suffered for the namesake. Paul was boasting about his apostleship. <laughs> and he was saying that me, when it comes to boasting about my apostleship, it's not about miracles, signs, and wonders. It's about the things that I have suffered. So Paul is coming to give us a detailed account of his sufferings. And let's see if he really harvested from the seeds he sowed. So let's start from the uh, verse 23. Are they ministers? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundantly. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent. In deaths often. So now let's look at the harvest of the city. So verse 24. Of the Jews five times I received 40 stripes. Save one. <laughs> you know among the Jews if you receive 40 stripes that means that they are intending to kill you. And they believe that the 40th strike will, will be fatal. So mostly they last in 39 and they stop. Now, if you look at the passion of Christ, that's what they did to him. They last Jesus 39 times. But Jesus was last only once. <laughs> when we watch the passion of Christ and we see the, the, the broken bones and the teeth on the whip peeling off the skin of Jesus, that happened to him just once. Once, our Savior. But look at Paul or Saul of Tarsus. He received it five times. He received it five times. Look at verse 25. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was told. Three times I suffered a shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. Verse 26. In journeys often. 
in perils of water, in perils of armed robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils of the hidden, in perils of the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger, in test, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, beside these things that are without, that may come unto me daily, is the burden of the churches. So, whilst he was receiving torment and torture, whether he was on the boat, they were tormenting him. Whether he was in the city, they were tormenting him. Whether he was in the village, they were tormenting him. Whether he was among his own people, they were tormenting him. Whether he was among um, strangers, they were tormenting him. Whether he was in the church, false brethren were accusing him. Amidst all these things, he still had the concern to be providing for the church. This is Paul, the apostle. God said that I will show him how much great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So Paul was not exempted from harvesting the seeds he has sown. Neither will you and I be harvested, be exempted from the seeds we have sown. That is why I believe the most important prayer that every believer must pray is for mercy to overrule judgment upon our life. Because all of us here in this world, we have parents and relatives, people connected to us, even not ourselves, who have sowed evil seeds. Some of us, in the days of our ignorance, we sowed evil seeds. And God said, as long as the earth remained, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter will be upon the earth. For our learning, God is teaching us that the reason why he does not want us to follow in the way of Esau, in the era of Bala, who prophesied for money. The reason why he doesn't want us to go in the way of Korah, the rebellious leader, in the way of Gehaz, in the way of Jeroboam, in the way of Vasti, is that we will reap what we sow. Though Jacob was blessed with the blessings of Abraham, not anybody's blessings, so the blessings of Abraham, the one that Jesus himself was associated with, despite the fact that he was blessed with the blessings of Abraham, he still harvested the fruits of his deception. It was one seed that he sowed, just one seed, but look at the things that he harvested. That is why I always say I feel so sad when I see people in university who are just breaking people's hearts, who are just deceiving people, all in the name of enjoying life or maximizing their youth or you only live once, you are going to harvest. You are going to harvest. One day I was talking to my mom and I didn't even know. She was telling her about um her brother, that is my uncle, who left the village, if I should say, it was not a village, who left the town and moved to the city. And because of his hard work, he had a good company to work in. And not just his hard work, the guy was really good and talented. So not long after, the owner of the company left the company for him. And he told him that, Charlie, I have many other businesses to run that you are good. So you manage this company. All I'm asking is that every month bring me my share of the money. And for the first few years, my uncle was religiously doing it. But when my uncle thought like when he had the heart of vast, and he said, Ah, this man is just there sleeping. He has many other business. And I'm here working, staying up late, talking with clients, getting more clients, getting more businesses, getting more this thing. He stopped paying the guy and he stopped picking up the guy's call. He started treating the guy so unfairly. And what he thought was that he was becoming wise. Little did he know that he was sowing seeds. And the man used to call my grandma and my mom, who was his elder sibling, and he used to complain bitterly. Now, why is this guy doing this to him? That he's not interfering in his work. He has given him the liberty. He has given him clients. In fact, the business was well established. All you're supposed to do is to maintain and run the business and just give him my share. My grandma, my mom spoke to him. He could not listen. 
he died at a very young age. And one would think that that is all. But now, even his firstborn son is struggling to get to work. So I remember talking, okay, this thing came up. My mom told me that she's not surprised that this cousin of mine is really struggling to get work, even though he's good, even though there are opportunities. But she believed that he's harvesting the seed his father sowed. And since then, my prayer has changed concerning his life. All I can pray is that God have mercy. Because it is a principle. But as James said, may mercy overrule judgment upon our lives. And this is very important, especially because of marriage. Because all of us, God willing, we are going to get married. And the people we are marrying, people have made investments into their lives. If you go and marry a man whose father or whose mother used to break homes, used to destroy lives, used to destroy the lives of small girls, maybe a sugar daddy or however they call them, who used to go to university campuses and just sleep with ladies and destroy their future and spread HIV. He's sowing seeds. That is why when we are going to get married, one of the most important things to do is to pray for the mercies of God. Because legally, these things have to take place. It is a principle. And God is not a respecter of persons, but a respecter of principle. That is why we need the mercies of God. That is why, most importantly, we need to be born again. Because all of us are operating under a curse. One, the curse of Adam. Two, the curse of the Lord. Three, the curse of sin in our lives. All of us are operating, but when you are born again, the Bible said you are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. This is why Jesus had to die on the tree, Galatians 3, because cursed be any man that hangeth on the tree. So Jesus came to take the curse of the law, but there's still the curse of the family. There's still the curse of the family and the curse of our parents. As long as this earth remaineth, seed time and harvest shall not cease. Our fathers, we have sowed seeds. Our mothers may have sown seeds that are taking place in our life. Sometimes without us knowing, like as I gave the example of my kids, I did not know. It was just a few months ago, and my mom told me, I've been praying for him that God help him get a work, help him get a work, help him get a work. It's been years. And my mom said that she's not surprised because the pain his father caused to somebody who took him when he came from the from the town or from the village with no education, nothing. He put a roof under his head, he gave him a job. And because of the job, he built a story building. He had a car, but he died at a very young age. All I could say was, God, have mercy. That is why in the Old Testament, one of the most famous songs they sang, was that the Lord is good and his mercies endure forever. And tonight, we just want to plead the mercies of God. And all that we are saying is that God temper judgment with mercy. For God said that for the evil, the imaginations of man is evil. So what God did was that he will worry himself, he will strive again with man. But then, as long as the earth remains, Father, we know that we are supposed to harvest certain seeds. Some of us out of ignorance, when we are not born again, we were lying to ladies, we were lying to guys. It's seeds that we have sown. I wish I wish remember the story of a guy I was in this, my, my classmate, I've seen it before on this platform, that he impregnated a girl and the girl called to say that Charlie, I'm pregnant. And the guy was doing those things, and the guy had the call and was laughing that ha, this girl that she's in trouble because she's not going to see me or hear from me. I think that time we were playing game, you know, after after lectures, we want to play game in the rooms, in a friend's room. And I don't know, that, that moment has stuck with me. I could just hear the spirit of God say that this guy is going to harvest, is going to harvest the seeds. He's going to harvest the seeds. And someone like and sometimes we may have the scenario of Solomon. Solomon did not harvest the seeds of his disloyalty to God, but it was his son. And sometimes the person involved may become born again, 
the cares or the harvest will be roaming around in the family looking for somebody who's not born again to affect. That is why we cannot, we cannot decide not to accept the Lordship of Jesus. It delivers us from cases. Even though Jacob was blessed, he was still reaping the harvest of his deception. He was deceived by his boss. He, he was even deceived by his wife. I didn't even read that story. You know, at a point, Laban, Jacob told all of them to bring all the idols that they had. He was burning away all the idols. And Rahel had taken an idol from his father's house. And she was sitting on the idol. And when Jacob came to inspect, that was when Laban was like, somebody has stolen my idol. And they came. And when they came to Rahel, Rahel said that, oh, I'm having my menses on my period. So I cannot stand. No, no, she was sitting on the mistake. So look at Jacob. His boss lied to him. His wife lied to him. His own sons lied to him. Everybody around Jacob was lying to him. Even his mother, I even believe that mother, Rebecca, because Rebecca said, let the curse be upon my head. But obviously the curse was on Jacob, unless maybe Rebecca had her own share. So she sowed one seed of deception. But look at the harvest he reaped. Please be mindful of the life you are living now. Whether you are two years old, 10 years old, 11 years old, you are not too young to be intentional about the life you live. There's already so much wahala in the world. There's already pain in the world without or with, with or without the cares of evil seeds being so. People will deceive you even if in your life and in your family's life you have never deceived anybody. So imagine adding the harvest of deception into the natural deception that will deceive you. We need the mercies of God. So we want to end for our learning with this truth that you would harvest what you sow. If you are proud, you will harvest the downfall of the proud. So God is not respected. If you are a humble person, God will promote you. Not God will promote you, you'll be promoted. It's a principle in life that humble yourself and you'll be lifted. And whoever promotes himself will be brought down. It's a principle in life. That is why almost every genuinely rich person who has enjoyed sustained riches is a humble person. All of them, even if they are all believers, they are agnostics, they are atheists, all of them who have been rich for decades, years after years, years after years, years after years, is because they are humble people, even if they are not believers, because it's a principle. We want to just spend some time in prayer and I say that God, let mercy overrule judgment upon our land. Father, have mercy upon us. We pray that mercy would speak on our behalf. Father, let mercy speak on our behalf. Let mercy speak on behalf of our family. Let mercy speak on behalf of our parents, Lord. Let mercy speak on behalf of our siblings, Lord. Let mercy speak on behalf of our loved ones. Let mercy speak on behalf of our children and all lives connected to us. Most importantly, let mercy speak on behalf of our spouse. If you are married, pray. Have your wife or your husband in mind. If you are not yet married, pray that the person you are going to marry, you don't know the seats that the person is coming into the marriage with. But we are praying that God have mercy upon us, Lord. Have mercy upon us, Lord. Tamper mercy with judgment, Lord. Overrule judgment with mercy, Lord. We plead your mercy because we know that you are good and your mercy endureth forever. The mercies of God is our arsenal, is our escape route out of the curse, out of the harvest of our sins. Because we cannot be deceived, neither can we deceive God that a man would harvest whatever he sows, whatever whatever it's a principle of the kingdom and you harvest it in stages starting from the blade to the ear to the corn father plead your mercy we plead your mercy we plead your mercy of our lives deliver us from every evil harvest in the name of our lord jesus amen amen i know today has been a little bit extended 
because of the sensitivity of our topic. And I believe that our minds are being removed. We are taking our actions and our thoughts. So if you go to work, please stop stealing your boss or stop stealing your company in the name of uh, the economy is hard and they are not increasing your pay because whichever seed you sow, honey, you will reap it. Unless you don't plan on being a business owner and nobody in your genealogy will own a business because if you steal somebody's business, somebody will steal from your business. If you break down somebody's house to build your house, it, and I'm getting emotional. Thank you for being with us. And we hope to see you next week. And as you listen to this podcast, keep on praying. Keep praying this prayer every day. And remember to also visit our YouTube channel, Renew Your Mind TV, and get more inspirational words as God renews our mind. When we listen to ministration, that was happening. God is renewing our mind. He's replacing filthy thoughts with good thoughts. And remember, we are still giving God our very best. And we owe no man nothing but love. See you next week as we take an encouraging word before we start our Christmas series. See you next week and have a good night. Bye-bye.